who uh, is no stranger to uh, this district and is no stranger all across America. He is a superstar. He's a leader in the House. And uh, he is so important to us now because what happens in Washington is really going to make a major uh, effect on what happens in New York State. So we're so glad to have Hakeem Jeffries with us today. Let's give him a round of applause. Hakeem Jeffries, you'll hear from him in a moment. Uh, we're waiting on Congresswoman Yvette Clark, who had a previously scheduled event, but we think she's going to be here shortly. Uh, and we have Henry Munoz, who uh, is head of SOMOS. Henry uh, is a unique blend. You know, you have people in life who are nice and sweet, uh, and you have people in life who are highly effective at getting things done. It's rare to find someone who is both. That's Henry Munoz. Beautiful heart, beautiful soul, uh, does the right thing, but gets things done. Somos, we've called on Somos for almost every hard task that we've been dealing with during COVID. Uh, in New York and around the nation, by the way. And Somos is always there. So let's give a big round of applause to Somos. Guess what I'm here to talk to you about today? COVID. Good guess. Uh, first, let me give you some ideas on where we are with COVID today. Today is day 329. The positivity rate is 5.26. New York City, it's 5.71. 144 New Yorkers passed away. And they are in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, hospitalization is... 8,802 people. That's actually down 44 from yesterday. Uh, and we have 1,500 people who are in ICU, and we have 1,023 people who were intubated. Uh, that's where we are today. Uh, let me say this about COVID. Uh, I was talking to a group last night. COVID fatigue. Well, we're tired of COVID. We're tired of COVID. It's 329 days. Yeah, I'm tired of COVID. You see these bags? These are not for carrying groceries, these bags. It's been a long 329 days. But this is a war. Think of it like a war. And we've had generations who went to war. And 329 days is not long when you are at war, right? Uh, we had generations that spent years at war concept of fatigue. Well, I'm tired. This is a fight. And when you tire before the enemy tires, you know what happens? The enemy wins. We don't have the luxury of fatigue. We let our guard down. That beast will rise up and will defeat us. There's also a notion that, well, you know, people get sick with COVID, but people survive. So I'm not that afraid of COVID. Don't get cocky with COVID. Don't get cocky with COVID. 144 people died yesterday. Don't get cocky with COVID. The other point about COVID is it created a different dynamic in this country. I call it low tide in America. Last year was low tide in America. Low tide, you go to Shirley Chisholm Park, which is beautiful, which you should go to, and you look at the bay, and you look at the bay at low tide, 
And at low tide, you see all the ugliness that was on the bottom, right? When the water's up, high tide, it covers everything. Looks beautiful. Low tide, you see all the ugliness on the bottom. We've seen low tide in America and all the ugliness in the bottom. And you know what's on the bottom? Racism. Discrimination. Inequality. That's what we've seen on the bottom. And it is undeniable. Blacks died at twice the rate of whites from COVID. Blacks died at twice the rate of COVID. You can't just go past that fact. How did you have one population die at twice the rate of the white population? Latino population died at one and a half times the rate of whites. Why? Because low tide, you saw all the, all the racism and discrimination in the system. You saw all the health care disparities, more comorbidities in the black and Latino community. And that's why they died. It's a fact. And it's death. It's not the differential in income. It's not the differential in promotion rate. It's death. It's who lived or who died. We now have a vaccine. The vaccine will save lives. Two issues with the vaccine. Can you get it? And will you take it? Can you get it? That is access. And what happened in COVID testing was while the black community and Latino community had a higher rate of death, they had a lower rate of COVID testing. Wealthier, whiter communities had more COVID testing. Black communities, poor communities, Latino communities that had a higher death rate had less access to COVID testing. When it comes to this vaccine, access has to be fair all across the board. We're working with 300 churches to distribute the vaccine. We're working with public housing authorities all across the state. We're going to do every NYCHA senior development in the city of New York. All 33 will have access. So we will break our Heine. Heine is a technical governmental term, H-I-N-E-Y. It's an acronym. Someday I'll explain it to you what it means. We will, we will get the access. Our bigger problem is the acceptance, especially among the black and Latino community. Why? Because they're skeptical. They're skeptical of a vaccine approved by the Trump administration. A Trump administration that seemed highly political, that politicized health care, that made political decisions rather than scientific decisions, and then the Trump administration says, this is a safe vaccine. And people say, I don't believe you. By the way, I don't trust the Trump administration. I'm cynical about the Trump administration. I wouldn't just believe the Trump administration. And I know the Trump administration. That's why we had a second panel of New York doctors review the vaccine. I'm not taking the Trump administration's word for it. We set up our own panel, best doctors 
not only in this state, in this country, they reviewed the vaccine, they said it's, said it's safe. I believe in the vaccine. My mother is going to take the vaccine. My mother is 65 plus. She doesn't like when I say she's 65 plus. I said, Mom, I'm 63. How can you not be 65 plus? What am I giving away? Mathematically, people can figure that out. My mother's 65 plus. She's going to take the vaccine. My daughters, who I love more than life itself, they're going to take the vaccine. I'm going to take the vaccine. There's no politics here. My mother and my daughters, I would not let take the vaccine unless I believed it was safe. It is safe. Yes, the black community in particular has reasons to be skeptical. Yes, there's racism. Yes, there's discrimination. Yes, there was the Tuskegee experiment. You can't explain that away. There are no apologies. But that's not the case with this vaccine. Take the vaccine. It will save lives, and it can save your life. We know blacks have a higher infection rate. We know they're more essential workers. They're more exposed to it. Please take the vaccine. We'll make it accessible, but we need you to accept it. And that's what we're here to do today. SOMOS is going to run a vaccination site here. We're going to be doing it in public housing all across the city, all across the state. But we need people to accept the vaccine. With that, let me turn it over to the general of SOMOS. I can't thank him enough. He's gone all over the country with us, Georgia, other states. Uh, he's been working in black and Latino communities all across this state. And talk about saving lives. Henry Munoz has saved lives. Henry Munoz, thank you. I think that your understanding of what we're going through and who we are is why in our clinics across the city we hear your name but when they call your name they call you Governor Andres Cuomo because you've earned their respect you're one of the few elected officials in this country that people still trust and they believe in you because of what you've done, and I want you to know how appreciative we are for being one of us. That's what SOMOS means. It means we are, means we're together. Um, you know, first of all, I want to thank the people who live here at William Reed for welcoming us into their home this morning and for allowing us to be here and to come back when we're needed to vaccinate the people who need this vaccination the most. This is an unusual for my colleagues and the people of Somos. This is who we are. <laughs> we live here. These are the places that we returned to after we got tested. Um, our families live here. Our grandparents, our abuelos and our abuelas, we come to visit them. Here, I'm reminded of my own grandmother this morning, Doña Julia Molina, who I must have been doing something wrong. She sat me down on a Saturday morning just like this, and she said, Dime con quien andas y 
te diré quien eres, which means tell me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. From March the 5th, when Governor Cuomo spoke to hundreds of doctors in the Somos network and asked us to join the army to fight this virus, we have gone wherever we've been asked to go. We have set up testing sites in parking lots and churches and schools and colleges and universities in places just like this to get the testing to people so that we could understand the impact of this virus on our communities. We have, hard to believe, but we have fed millions of people over the course of this pandemic, and we've opened up our clinics at dangerous moments to our own staff without vaccinations and lost um, over a dozen of our own people to this virus. But we've never really hesitated to be a part of the effort that you have created. And we're here in this complex today, this home uh, to people, and we are opening up other vaccination sites in NYCHA and in churches and larger scale places where we know that we can bring access to the people who need it the most and who will listen to the trusted voices in their community who are the doctors and nurses that have always taken care of them and their families and their children. We know that we can play a role in this war. We are deputized as your uh, infantry, because we think that we can have a real impact on the state's effort to vaccinate New York and to bring this, what we call, vacuna de la esperanza, a vaccination of hope, to people, because we know it's the only way that we'll ever be able to return to work, rebuild our businesses, make sure that our children can go back to school or to college. And so we're happy to be a part of this effort here today. We're happy to continue to bring vaccinations to the people who need it the most. We're going to continue to ask you, Congressman, Congresswoman, to bring as many vaccines as you can to the state of New York, and we're going to put them in as many arms as we have in a spirit of love and in a spirit of hope, because that's our role. That's the sworn duty of the physicians of Somos. And we thank you for your work. We're happy to be a part of this collaboration, and we look forward to continuing to work with you on behalf of the citizens of New York. Thank you all. Congresswoman. Good morning, everyone. It's certainly my honor, my privilege to be here today. I want to thank, of course, Governor Cuomo for uh, not forgetting about Central Brooklyn and the 9th Congressional District. It's wonderful to have you back here, Governor, to Mr. Henry Munoz, and of course, my chairman and my dear colleague, Democratic Caucus Chairman Hakeem Jeffries. It's good to be here with you again and for the opportunity to partner with you to ensure that vaccination, this vaccination location opened right here in the 9th District. Throughout the crisis, Governor Cuomo has been an outstanding leader and source of comfort for so many New Yorkers and others, quite frankly, all across the country. I've been especially grateful for his focus on communities of color, which has been hit the hardest. 
From the very beginning, Governor Cuomo has spoken out with about one of the great injustices of this pandemic, that minorities are more likely to be affected both economically and by the virus itself. Today's work to expand the deployment of community vaccination kits is another step to ensure all New Yorkers can gain access to the services they so deeply need. As Governor has said, kits at four NYCHA sites like the Reed Apartments will administer first doses to more than 1,000 senior residents today. It's a model we know works and that we're already working together to expand. As the vaccine supply increases, more kits will be deployed to other public housing complexes statewide and more than 300 churches through the Governor's Vaccine Equity Task Force. Additionally, we, know, we, know, we now have a president and vice president with the, with the new administration who understands the dire need for a national testing strategy. Their dedication to delivering 100 million vaccine shots in their first 100 days will cover, will cover 50 million people nationally. It is a critical step to getting us past the COVID-19 crisis. These efforts have to be fueled by hardworking Americans like all of you, which means telling everyone you know who is high risk to come and get vaccinated. So call grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, and let them know we have to get vaccinated. It will save their lives. In 2019, the World Health Organization named vaccine hesitancy one of the top 10 threats to global health. Our district is a community. We know and love one another, and we know how to get the message out. And the message is clear. We believe in science. This vaccine will save lives. Seniors and high-risk communities must get vaccinated, full stop. As your representative in Brooklyn, I'm asking you to take this moment very seriously to understand how important having a vaccination site in our community is and get vaccinated to save your life and the lives of your loved ones. As it stands, there have been almost 24.8 million cases of COVID-19, more than 410,000 deaths nationally. We all remember what it was like when we were the global epicenter of the pandemic, and which is why we cannot turn back. I personally have taken the vaccine, and I'm here to tell you, as you can see, I am fine. Both of my parents are in their 80s, and I treasure every moment I have with them. They have gotten their first shot of the vaccine, and I pray that you and your loved ones will get vaccinated as well. We will together get through this. I want to thank once again Governor Cuomo for his leadership and support of our communities and Chairman Jeffries for his leadership on the federal level. With that, I'd like to introduce my friend, uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Chairman of the Democratic Conference of the United States House of Representatives. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much uh, to my good friend, Congresswoman Yvette Clark, who does such a phenomenal job 
on behalf of the people of the 9th Congressional District, the neighboring Congressional District that I'm privileged to represent and the district that we are in uh, right now. I certainly am so thankful for uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, the tremendous leadership that he has provided from the very moment that this deadly once-in-a-century pandemic struck all the way through this time right now. He's led New York forward in such a phenomenal way and in a way that has been recognized uh, by all of our colleagues down in Washington as setting the standard for how to exhibit robust and resilient science-based leadership uh, for such a time as this. And I'm thankful, uh, Governor, once again, for your presence back in Brooklyn. You are no stranger. You are here frequently, and we appreciate uh, you. To Henry, thank you uh, for your leadership. The network uh, of clinics and sites across the city and the state has been phenomenal in communities of color, and we appreciate your vision and your execution. And to the NYCHA resident leadership for welcoming us uh, into your home, thank you so much. Uh, for your recognition, your hospitality, uh, and for understanding that a community-based site is the best way to make sure uh, that vaccines are administered to those who need it the most. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought a lot of pain and suffering and death throughout the land in extraordinary ways, but most particularly to black and brown communities that have traditionally been underserved and lacking in resources under ordinary circumstances. These are extraordinary circumstances. And as Congresswoman Clark has indicated from the very beginning, uh, the governor has worked closely with those of us who represent communities of color throughout the city and the state to ensure that testing is available Tracing is available, treatment is available, and now vaccinations are available to those who need it the most. And we're so thankful for that. The governor has also worked closely uh, with the Congressional Tri-Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, and the Congressional Asian and Pacific Islander Caucus, which formed the Tri-Caucus in order to deal with the equity issues, of course, here in New York State, but setting a standard across the country, and we appreciate that. We are urging everyone to trust science and get vaccinated. COVID-19 will kill you, and we have seen that, particularly with devastating consequence in black communities, in low-income communities, and in traditionally underserved communities. That is why the governor and we are here at this NYCHA location to make sure that the services are being brought to the people as opposed to expecting the people to have to seek out with desperation and futility the services. That is a wonderful model. And it's a model that worked when the governor partnered with us to open up testing sites in churches and community-based locations during the early days of the pandemic, and it will work right now to assure that all of us 
have the ability to be vaccinated, regardless of race, regardless of income, uh, and regardless of zip code. So thank you, uh, Governor Cuomo, for your continued leadership. New York was hit the hardest, has battled the longest, and emerged the strongest through this pandemic. And a lot of the reason why we have done it is because of Governor Cuomo's leadership and the resilience of every single New Yorker. Keep it up. The best is yet to come. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll take a couple of questions. One quick point just to sum up. First, uh, Serena Lazama, not only do you have a beautiful mask, thank you for your leadership in organizing today uh, as lieutenant leader. Uh, and just to highlight what um, Congressman Jeffrey said and uh, Congressperson Yvette Clark, uh, New York is doing more in terms of social equity and reaching out than I believe any other state in the country. Uh, and not only are we doing it here in New York, we are asking for federal support and federal awareness. This should be going on all across the country. And Congressman Jeffries uh, has organized an entire coalition in Washington to make that point. Uh, what happened on COVID cannot happen on the COVID vaccine. We can't have fewer vaccines to black, Latino, poor communities. We can't happen again, at least learn from what happened in the spring. And I want to thank the congressman for his leadership in that. Uh, and Congressman Jeffries and Yvette Clark, they are fighters. New York, we're fighters. And we need a fight now in Washington. We're pleased President Biden is there. We're pleased with his plan. But we have to get help for New York because the Congress members are right. New York got hit hardest. Fairness dictates that this nation now responds to us with the appropriate aid. Uh, the nation, in many ways, learned from New York. We went first. We were ambushed by COVID. We had it for months. And the other states watched us, and they had the advantage of notice. We had no notice. We went from one case to hundreds of cases. Uh, we had more pain in this state than any other state. Uh, and that federal resource allocation uh, should reflect that. And I'm sure with uh, Congressman Jeffries in the leadership, uh, we have a, a phenomenally powerful position and a powerfully talented individual on our behalf. Uh, and Congresswoman Clark and I have worked for many, many years together back when I was in Washington, uh, and nobody can make things happen like Congressmember Clark. So they're the dynamic duo for us, uh, and we need them. Questions for myself or my colleagues? Oh, Governor, what is the problem, the, the, the amount of doses that are not available? <coughs> Pardon me. Thank you. The federal government allocates dosages by week. Uh, we exhausted all the vaccines that we have received to date, week one to five. They've been allocating dosages for five weeks. Yesterday, we exhausted all five weeks allocation. We are now starting to receive week six allocations, which trickle in during the week. They're sent by Washington. They're delivered by Washington to individual locations. Washington literally uses, in some cases, FedEx, 
<laughs> believe it or not, uh, delivery services. But we're now starting to get some of the week six allocation, and that's what we're using today. So we'll be going week to week. We get 240,000 dosages in week six. Uh, and we're using those dosages. Just to give you an idea of the proportion here, 240,000 dosages per week. We have 7 million eligible people, okay? So you need to get to 7 million people. That's everybody who's eligible now. Healthcare workers, essential workers, 65 plus, 7 million at 250,000 doses a week. This is going to take us 15, 16, 17 weeks. Even at 250,000 dosages a de uh, week, we now do about 80,000 dosages per day. We could do 100,000 dosages per day easily. So we're dependent on the supply. We have the distribution network. We're dependent on the supply. How soon will a site like this be getting appointments, um, given that it's opening at a time when there, you know, you've exhausted the, uh, we've exhausted the doses? And also, um, is the state working with the city to open these new sites, or is it opening in sites where the city has already opened? I don't know that. No, we know where local governments open sites, and we coordinate with all those sites that they're opening. Uh, as Henry Munoz said and Congressman Jeffries, the nice thing about this is we bring the vaccine to the people. You know, we don't say you have to schedule an appointment going to the Javits Center or somewhere else. It's here. So that's why I'm stressing come and get your vaccine. It's the acceptance of the vaccine. We're bringing the vaccine to the community, in this case, to the residents in this building. Please take it. Today, Henry, 9 o'clock. That's why we have to take one more question. Go ahead. The White House said yesterday that they were receptive to what you were asking for, an investigation by the CDC into supply. Um, can you tell me, have you had any conversations with uh, the federal government, the new federal administration, and uh, what are your thoughts on, on an investigation into New York's supply issue? I have a very good relationship with President Biden. He's been a great friend for a long time. The person who runs the uh, what they call the COVID task force is uh, Jeff Zients. I've known him for many years. He's a pro. What happened here is inarguable. The federal government said the priorities are healthcare workers, essential workers, and then they went to 75 plus, and then they went to 65 plus. That's 7 million people. They then said, don't worry, we're going to increase the supply. That's what they said. They said they had additional dosages in reserve that they would send. Because it's absurd to say 7 million people are available, but I only have 250,000 dosages per week. They said, we'll increase the supply. They never did. They never did. Our number actually went down. We went from 300 to 250. So now you have a situation in, in New York, and by the way, states all across the nation, where you made this whole population eligible, but you don't have enough supply, and you've actually created anxiety and frustration uh, by opening the valve that large when you only had a trickle of dosages. 
And that's why people are frustrated. I'm eligible, but I can't find a vaccine. Yes, and it's going to take like 17 weeks before, at this rate, we get enough supply for that population. There's a certain amount that are um, in reserve that were meant for second doses, but obviously, as we've been talking about, that only works if the federal government approves it. All right? That's a federal guideline. In other words, what they say is, when you come in today to Somos, you get your first dose. They reserve a second dose for you when you get your first dose. And then they send it to us 21 days later. The federal government could decide, and this is what the Trump administration said they were going to do. You can use, we'll send you second dosages, and you can use them as the first. The reason why the federal government has to agree is because they have to agree that they're then going to send you enough second doses in the future. Otherwise, you wind up giving people first dosages, and then you don't have a second dosage for them. No, it has to be approved by the federal government. Do you think it should be approved by the federal government? If they have the production to pro produce enough second dosages, yes. But they have to make sure they have enough to do the second dosage. In other words, that's, that's the federal calculus, right? Is it, is it better to get more people get their first doses or get everyone that has already gotten their first dose the second dose? It's better to get more people dosages as long as you're sure you can get them the second dose. The last thing you want on top of this chaos is people get a first dose, and then they come back for their second dose, and you say, we ran out. Thanks, any of my comments? Uh, colleagues want to make any comments? Okay. Thank you all very much. Thank you. They have to get to work here.